Sometimes it feels like in life some things just don't translate. There's nothing that, that can be said or done in a moment that, that translates properly or to, to fully convey what we want to say or what we mean. There are also words and other languages that do not fully translate into English. Words that um, may have a direct translation, but their meaning is lost in the words. I love different languages. I'm not very good at learning them, but I love different languages. And so I thought, I thought I'd share a few of these untranslatable words. The first one I love, it would be uh, something along the lines of saying, well, Pastor Jim, I want you to meet my new friend. She's right over here, but, um, oh, I can't remember your name. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm sorry, Pastor Jim. The, the first word is tartle. Tartle is a Scottish word. It is the act of hesitating when introducing someone because you've forgotten their name. Thankfully, we have name tags here at Hyde Park, although mine's sitting on my office desk. I hope that nobody tarls this morning. Or how about this one? Uh, what do you get when you cross a, a parrot and a centipede? It's a walkie-talkie. Jayus is an Indonesian word. It is a joke that is told so poorly or is so unfunny that you can't help but laugh. Those are pastor's bread and butter right there. The next word is one of my favorites in untranslatable words. It is drakenfuder. Literally translates to dragon fodder, but that's not what it's used as in Germany. In Germany, it refers to the type of gift a husband gives to a wife when he's been out too late at night or when he's done something that he ought not to do. Guys, do we have anybody that's ever given a Drachenfutter before? The last one is another German word. It is Zerissenheit. Zerissenheit is a state of being. And the best way to describe it uh, is a state of being torn into pieces. Feeling like things have been ripped apart in your life. This is Zerissenheit. And I think it's a word that many of us can relate to at some point in time in our lives or another. There are demands on our time that make us feel like we're being torn in pieces. Maybe it's friends and family. Maybe it's work versus home life. Finances can be another one that leave us torn in pieces, straining our relationships. Perhaps it's the in-laws or the outlaws. And in the end, we leave ourselves torn again and again and again until we are Zerissenheits, simply torn in pieces, unable to find balance. And we wonder, how is it possible to hold everything together? How is it possible to start to find balance when the pieces of our lives feel like they're scattered as far as the winds can carry them? 
Balance is something that is extremely elusive. And I think of when I was a little kid playing on the playground, the the teeter-totter was always one of my favorites. My friends and I liked to see if we could find that point where we could balance the teeter-totter perfectly level. It was something that we weren't always able to do because um, one of us was bigger than the other, and so as soon as you sat down, one side would go down, the other would go up. Uh, You'd move in a little bit, and it would get close, but as soon as you moved again, you'd fall again. Uh, And balance is is this elusive thing, and when we are in this state of zerisenheit, where we are torn apart, we wonder, is it possible to find balance? Now this um, sermon got kicked around between the pastors back and forth a little bit. Um, Nobody was 100% sure of of who would take it. I volunteered for it, realizing that none of us, none of your pastors are very good at finding balance. (laughs) We try and find this, this balance between the life that we have been called to and that we love and our family. And sometimes something feels out of balance. Paul's letter to the Corinthians talks a little bit about balance, though he never says it's about finding balance. The first, the first few verses in 1 Corinthians 1 gives a general introduction. Paul introduces himself again, even though the Corinthians would know who he was. And then gives a few words of thanksgiving. After giving an introduction, after saying, um, it's me, it's Paul writing to you, uh, and I give thanks to you, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. After this word of introduction, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. And what follows in verses 4 through 9 are words of thanksgiving and words of affirmation from Paul for the things that the church in Corinth had going for him. The church, the the things that the church was doing so well. Paul says that the church has evidence of spiritual gifts. That they have strengthened in their testimony of Jesus Christ. High praise from Paul to the church in Corinth. But it doesn't stop there. If you go on beyond verse 9, Paul begins to talk about some of the areas where the church finds itself, frankly, a little out of balance. Needing a little bit of work and the rest of the letter, well not the entirety, but some of the rest of the letter offers Paul's censure. Correction to the readers. Paul gives thanks that the work that he had done there and others had done there was not without fruit. But he knew that as far as they may have come, there was still farther to go and there was still more work that could be done. So Paul writes and says, y'all are doing great. But let's take the next step to finding balance. As Paul writes these letters, I can feel his heart beat both with joy for the things that have been going on and for pain, with pain for the things that are lacking a little bit. With joy, Paul says, you have the gifts 
of God, the grace in your life, and your testimony for Christ has done nothing but strengthen. And yet, at the same time, you can hear Paul's pain in later chapters when he says things aren't 100% just yet. You're out of balance. Some of you may be feeling that Zerissen height, that being torn apart, that state of being that finds us in pieces. So Paul writes a letter of encouragement, a letter of correction. And in his letter, Paul represents himself as this Hebrew-born individual and as to the law, a Pharisee. He uses himself as an example. He says, here I am, one who has been called by God. With his status in the Hebrew culture, he effectively gave that up. He says, look to me, one who has been called by God. He did not say this to boast or to brag, but to give an example for others to follow. Look to me, one who has been called by God. I have humbled myself to try and find the center I have humbled myself to bring you words of grace and peace. Balance, he challenges them to find. Balance in finding the center of their life, recognizing that Christian graces, these Christian graces that he speaks of in verses 4 through 9, are natural endowments and capacities that we offer and surrender to Christ. These are often natural gifts and graces that we have that we offer and surrender to Christ. For example, I am not a talented singer, but we have some very talented voices that lead us in worship, that lead us through the worship service, that lead us in singing. They take those natural talents or those developed talents and they offer them over and surrender to Christ. This is what Paul is suggesting the church in Corinth do. Take those natural gifts that you have and offer them in surrender to Christ as I myself have offered myself in surrender to Christ. This is the beginning of where we find balance. Surrendering ourself to Christ. Turning ourselves over and saying, I need God. In this time where I find myself in a state of being torn to pieces, I need God as my center. When I find myself in this Zerissen Heights, the Holy Spirit can be the one to help me find that balance. To me, the Bible is record of a twofold quest. The first is God's quest for us, and the second is our quest for God. And scripture tells of how we seek for one another, how God seeks for us and we seek for God. And how through our folly, through our ignorance, and through our sin, we often miss God. It also tells of how through the unceasing activity and long-suffering of God, God gradually draws us closer. Balance is found as we recognize the source of all our gifts. 
Balance is found when we place priority on God as the central figure in our lives. When we do that, the other things begin to order themselves. When we recognize that God is the fulcrum, the center point of that teeter-totter that we put ourselves on at times. There are a few things that you can do, next steps that you can take to begin to find some balance in your life. A pastor friend of mine, and I won't give you his name because if you ever run across him, I wouldn't want to divulge his secret, has taken to the habit of on his days off, on his calendar he writes the word something. And so when somebody comes to him and demands more of his time that would throw him out of balance, he opens his calendar and he simply says, sorry, I have something on my calendar that day. (laughs) Sometimes it takes something that radical or that simple to find time to be with family, with friends, to spend time in Sabbath that we so often overlook. Perhaps finances are the things that are tearing you apart, that are putting strains on your relationships with your family. On January 22nd, on Wednesday, we're starting Financial Peace University again. Perhaps that's something that you would look into to try and help you find a little balance with your finances. We have plenty of classes starting this Wednesday to add to financial peace that you can plug yourself into to take the next step in discipleship. Taking the next step in finding God as the center of your life or moving God a little closer to the center of your life. And finally, one more step that you might take. Every Thursday at 1215 at the downtown campus, Justin gathers a group of people to sit in silent meditation. Now for me, that is one of the hardest things to do. My mind goes a mile a minute with the things that I have to do and need to do and want to do before the end of the day. But to sit for 20 minutes in silence and meditate on God's grace and goodness often leaves me feeling centered for the rest of the day. It's become a practice that I'm trying to do more and more often throughout the week because I do, as I do that, I find myself a little more centered and focused on the source of all of the gifts that I have in my life. Sometimes we find ourselves torn apart and torn in pieces, but God is calling us into a new way of being, and so I wanted to share with you just a few more words that don't have direct translations in the English language. The first is wabi. Rhymes with Bobby. It is uh, Japanese origin. And it means a flawed detail that creates an elegant whole. I don't know if you can see it, but there's a crack down the side of that uh, bowl that really, to me, makes it a little more beautiful. It's not a whole and perfect bowl in and of itself, that many people would think, but that crack is a flawed detail that creates an elegant whole. Paul uses the word ekklesia 22 times in the letter to the Corinthians. Ekklesia was a general gathering of people. It became referred to as 
uh, what we would know as the church. The ecclesia is the, a gathering together of an elegant whole comprised of flawed people. We are those flawed details that create the elegant whole that is the ecclesia, the gathering of believers, the church. In gathering together, in worshiping with one another, we take our torn self to lay on the altar. Wabi. Flawed detail creating an elegant whole. The last word is a hopey word. It is koyanis katsi. Koyanis katsi means nature out of balance. I had to practice that word a few times in the mirror before I got it. Nature out of balance is one way to translate the word. The other way to translate it is a way of life that is so crazy that it calls for a new way of living. A way of life that is so crazy that it calls for a new way of living. Our life in the church is that koyanis katsi. Our, way, our life in the church and our life in God is a new way of living that is just so crazy that it calls for new life. That it calls for something different. And so I'm going to treat, teach you this untranslatable word this morning so that you can take it out. Try this with me. Koyan iska si. Koyan iskatsi. All right. Koyanis Katsi is a way of living that is so crazy that it calls for a new way of life. I would hope that as you find yourself out of balance, when you find yourself in that state of Zerissen height, that state of being torn to pieces, that you would remember where the center and source of your gifts lie. And remember that the life that God calls us to is a way of life so crazy that it calls for a new way of living. Let's pray. God of grace and God of mercy, you called Paul to a koyanis katsi to a way of life so crazy that it called for a new way of living. In Paul's letter to the Corinth, he called that church, that ecclesia, that gathering, to a new way of living as well. On this day, God, we offer ourselves flawed pieces asking that you would take and make us into an elegant whole. Challenge us in this new way of life. Call us into this new way of being, this koyanis katsi. In your son's name, amen. Friends, We've been, we have been called into a new way of living, a new life. 
in that new life, that crazy way of living, let us give thanks and let us offer ourselves to God through our tithes, through our offerings.